How can I know that I'm saved? And what if I still have doubts? My name is Adam Butler, and you're listening to Bubblegum Gospel Podcast. Assurance of salvation. This is such an important topic to me, and I'll tell you why before we go into actually answering the question. I'm going to take you back a few years to my sophomore year in college. I, for those of you that don't know, I studied Christian studies at Charleston Southern University and um, was taking a class in Christian discipleship. Dr. Peter Beck, one of the greatest professors I've ever had, and uh, as part of the requirements for this class, we had to read several books, two of which really rocked my world. And I think the reason that they rocked my world so much is because during this time, I hadn't really been discipled much in my life. Um, I had, I mean, don't get me wrong, I became a Christian at a very young age. I grew up in a Christian home, very biblically centered home. My parents taught me what it looked like to read the Bible. We went to church often. Um, we prayed together, and so they, they, they discipled me in that sense. So I was given discipleship within the home, which I, I would argue is one of the most important, or if not the most important aspect of discipleship. But I hadn't been seasoned as a disciple. And what I mean by that is I hadn't really been given a proper uh, church discipleship on, on what it looks like to be a part of the body. Um, and I, I had a lot of questions at this point. This was right when I started to really take an interest in apologetics and and started pursuing truth and really diving into God's Word in a way that I never had before all those years uh, prior. So anyway, all that is to say... I knew what it meant to be a follower of Christ, but I probably wasn't following Christ with my entire life at this point. And by that I simply mean that I still had so many unanswered questions, so many there were so many aspects of discipleship and, and sanctification that I just wasn't pursuing. And going to Charleston Southern and taking these classes and really starting to dive in for myself is what opened up more doors for growth there. So that sets the stage as to where we are in time and also in my spiritual walk. So the two books that I read that really, really uh, hit home with me were Follow Me by David Platt and Signs of the Spirit by Sam Storms, which is an interpretation of uh, Jonathan Edwards' religious affections. And both of these books have to do with salvation, um, sanctification with what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, what it means to follow Christ, having assurance of our salvation, knowing that we're saved. Uh, Platt, for example, talks a lot in his book about the sinner's prayer and how it's it's actually nowhere in Scripture, but so many churches um, are offering this sinner's prayer. You know, if you just pray this prayer, follow these steps, then you'll be saved. And he makes the point that, well, a lot of us don't really know what it means to follow Christ then, hence the name of the book, Follow Me, and so we're we're given this, what I would argue in my book, this bubblegum gospel that's not complete. It's not a coherent picture of the gospel, that the gospel involves repentance, that we're expected to die to ourselves to follow Christ, and that should be evidenced by our walk. So needless to say, Signs of the Spirit um, is an excellent read, too. It, it goes into more depth on assurance of salvation, like what does it actually look like for somebody who is who has been redeemed by Christ? by the Holy Spirit. So I started to have a lot of doubts and a lot of questions and the biggest one being 
I don't even know if I'm actually saved. Like, what if I'm not actually saved? What if I didn't really mean it when I asked Jesus into my heart as a young child? Because I, I, I got saved probably somewhere around fifth or sixth grade. I don't remember the exact time, which is which led to another doubt of mine. Like, if I can't remember the exact moment that I walked the aisle, what if that wasn't genuine? You know, so I had a lot of doubts. Like, what does it look like to be saved? How can I know that I'm saved? What if I'm actually going to hell when I die. And I was just, it was a bad place. It was a really rough time in my life. And on top of that, because remember, remember the context, during this time I wasn't really pursuing scripture um, in the way that I should have been. I mean, I read my Bible, but I wasn't really studying God's word. So I knew I knew some Bible verses off the top of my head, and I could give you some, some Christianese if you needed it, but I didn't really know um, how to navigate God's word with topics like these, and I didn't really understand theology and, and hermeneutics, and so I've got a lot of questions, I've got a lot of doubts, and I started to worry, um, and and it actually brought me anxiety. Like I remember there were sleepless nights that I just sat in my bed, praying to God, saying, "God, how can I know that I'm saved? I, I'm I'm worried." I'm anxious right now because I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. And it was during this time that all of these signs started to pop up. Um, I was working a part-time job at a local department store in my hometown during this time. And uh, one day I was about to get off. It was late afternoon and I was on my knees at work because there weren't any customers in there at the time. And I was on my knees praying to God for him to give me assurance of my salvation and the whole ride home, the, the entire drive home, up until about the turn right before I got to my street, I was behind this one pickup truck the entire way home, and the pickup truck had one bumper sticker on it, and it said, Are you saved? with a question mark. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then a couple other things happened. We went to Lifeway, Christian Bookstore, and the first book that caught my eye, uh, the first one that was up on display there, was J.D. Greer's book, um, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, How to Know For Sure That You're Really Saved. And um, on that, that same night that I was there, on the radio, on the way home, I happened to turn to like Way FM or his radio, one of those stations, and DC Talk's version of I Wish We'd All Been Ready was playing, and it was just like all these different things were causing me more anxiety and I said alright that's it I get it this is a topic that I've got to dive into scripture and I've got to seek uh, God's Word in order to find assurance of and so the reason I mention that story is this this is a topic that is very important to me that I've spent a lot of time um, reading about reading uh, commentaries on reading books reading God's Word most of all watching videos uh, asking pastors and I really just want to give you a brief answer, just a couple of points centered around God's Word, because that's the mistake that I made, is that I wasn't seeking God's Word first. Any question that you have about theology, about your faith, about apologetics, we should always be going to God's Word first and foremost, and outside sources second. I mean, those are very important. Um, it's very important to read to, um, to study other sources, other scholars, um, works that people have written. But always, always, always go to the Lord first 
before you consult any other sources. Um, so I want to center this answer entirely around God's Word, and it's just going to be very brief, just a couple of points, because I think what I've learned um, from my experience is that this is one of those questions that I think needs to be addressed, um, because there's a few aspects of it. But in all honesty, we probably it probably causes us more anxiety than it should. People like me, that is. And if you're listening to this and you heard that story and you're like, that was me too. Um, find comfort in this and know that you're not alone. That it's okay to have doubts, but that it's not okay to allow our doubts to manifest into anxiety. Um, so, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I really meant it when I accepted salvation? What does God's Word say about salvation, first and foremost? What is salvation? Salvation is allowing Christ's atoning work on the cross to wipe our slate clean, to His blood to wash us clean. It's accepting His gift of atonement. So when we accept salvation, which Paul describes as a gift in Ephesians, when we accept salvation, we are recognizing Christ's forgiveness on the cross. And we're choosing to follow Him, to, to put our trust in Him as our Savior. And as a result, uh, we experience a transformation. And that transformation means that God has given us a new heart. He's given us a clean spirit and that we've been forgiven of our sins. And as a result, uh, we're now living for Christ. We're now on mission for Christ. And the, the Great Commission in the book of Matthew now applies to us and anyone else who claims to be a follower of Christ. Now, the Bible is very clear on how to attain salvation. It says in Romans that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Um, Paul makes it very clear that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, that we are saved. That this is not our doing. It's not a matter of works so that no one can boast. It's a gift of God. So the Bible is very clear on what salvation is and how we get it. That it's nothing that we can do. It's everything that Christ did on the cross for us. But once we are saved, that salvation should be reflected in our walk. This is, what, this is what it means to follow Christ. That once we have accepted salvation, we should start living that out. Somebody who has been saved is going to look and act like they've been saved. David Platt gives a really, gives a really good example. He, um, he says, suppose that I was late to church one day, and I got there you know, 20 minutes late, and I said... I got up on stage and I said, hey, I'm sorry that I'm late. I was driving to work, and or I'm driving to church rather, and I got a flat tire, and I stepped out of the car to try to fix this flat, and a Mack truck came and hit me at 60 miles per hour. <laughs> and he says, and it, and it really hurt, but I'm here now, and, uh, and, now, and now I can preach. Somebody who claims they've been hit by a Mack truck going 60 miles an hour is going to look and act as if they've been hit by a Mack truck going 60 miles an hour. You see the point here? If we claim to have been changed by grace, that should be evident in our lives. Somebody who claims to have had radical conversion, that Christ has redeemed me from sin, 
and now I'm saved from eternal wrath and eternal torment. That should be evident in our lives. If we're going to make a claim like that, if we're going to say, I follow Jesus, I've given my life for him because he gave his for, for me. People should be able to see that in us. And Jesus says this too. He says, it is by your love for one another that they will know you're my disciples. Um, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We talked about this in an earlier podcast, that the roots of our salvation is grace alone through faith alone, but the fruit of our salvation, that's the works, that's the evidence that is produced as a result of being saved. So that's where repentance and sanctification comes in. You know, the first word of the gospel is repent. Repent. Salvation, in other words, is not just oh, I'm saved, now I can keep going, I can go back to living my life. No, salvation is I'm saved, now I have a new life. I have a new purpose. And I say all that to say this. Somebody who claims to be saved, but is not living a life honoring to God, maybe is still making excuses for their sins, and has shown no evidence of change at all, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about somebody who just got saved. I'm talking about somebody who claims to be a follower of Christ, who has claimed this maybe for, for several or many years. If there's no evidence there, then their salvation, only God knows what their heart is, where their heart is. But based on what Scripture says, we should probably be a little bit concerned about them. And this ties into our question today, how can I know that I'm saved? We know that we're saved first and foremost because the Bible makes it clear on how we get saved. That Christ has already paid the price for us. All we have to do is put our trust in Him. And as a result of that, we should then repent and turn toward Christ and allow His sacrifice to radically change our lives. See, somebody who has really been changed, who's really been saved by God, that's going to be, like I said a minute ago, that will be evident in them. Jesus says it this way. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. At first glance, sometimes that verse can be taken to mean, if you love me, you better keep my commandments or else. And that's not really what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, if you love me, then as a result, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you really do love me, if you really do love Christ, if you have fallen in love with Christ, then you will have a new desire to keep his commandments. You'll want to. You'll keep his commandments as a result of having been saved. It's kind of like a, a husband or a man who falls in love with a, with a woman and they get married. He doesn't love her out of obligation. He loves her because he chooses to, because he's fallen in love with her. And so he chooses to commit his life to her, not because he feels like he has to now that they're married. No, the reason that he loves her and that he's committed to her is because of his love for her. And this is the same with God. Once he gives us a new heart, we have a desire to keep his commandments and we're grieved by our own sin. So do you have doubts as to your salvation? And are you concerned about whether or not you're saved? And are you, but are you trying to live a godly life? See, that's the thing. Sometimes the very fact that we have these doubts, that, we, that we're concerned about whether or not we're saved, is part of the evidence that we are in fact saved. So we should be asking ourselves the question, do I have a desire to keep God's commandments? 
Do I have a desire to make him the center of my life? Do I have do I desire to obey God and, and to follow his word? Because think about it, somebody who is not saved, somebody who hasn't experienced salvation is not going to have a desire or is not going to be concerned about his or her salvation. So I think I think that's the biggest thing is ask yourself, do you really have a desire to keep God's commandments? Now, is it possible to have a false assurance of salvation? I think that it is. I think that, um, like Platt talks about in his book, that there are people who think that they're saved but aren't. And this is evidenced, for example, in Matthew 7 when Matthew, or when Jesus rather says that many will say to you, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, the language there, he doesn't say, I never knew you. Like, I don't know who you are. Like, what is your name again? When he says, I never knew you, the word know in that sense was also used. That's also the language of intimate relationships. So, for example, some passages in Scripture might say, you know, uh, David knew his wife. That doesn't mean that he he knows who she was. That means that, that they had an intimate relationship, that, that they had sexual relations. Now, of course, Jesus is not using it in a sexual sense here. He's using He's saying, I never had a relationship with you. I never knew you. So it's possible for people to think that they're saved, but who actually aren't. There's a few there's a few different views that we can take on this particular passage because this is it's a frightening passage. It used to give me anxiety like I mean d- does that mean that people who have genuinely repented might still not be saved? And I think that's the distinction that needs to be made that if you have genuinely accepted salvation, the the true gospel, then you are saved. But there is possible to accept a false gospel. And I think a lot of churches today are not preaching the full gospel. And on top of that, there's a lot of false teachers in the churches today that are preaching a blatantly false gospel that people are being deceived by. I mean, the Bible talks plenty about this. We could we could have a whole series of podcasts on false teachers in the church. Just read uh, Jude. Just read Second Peter. Read Jesus' words in the gospel. He warns about... Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. These are all about false teachers that are trying to lead people astray. And as a result, it is possible to be deceived by false narratives and therefore to think that you're saved because of some health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but then to have been deceived and say, well, God, I, I thought I was one of yours. And, and Jesus says, well, I never knew you. So again, going back to it, this is why, again, why it's so crucial to go to God's word first Test everything, as Paul says. Use God's word as the standard for any type of teaching that you hear. Because God's word will never deceive you. Just because it sounds biblical does not mean it is biblically sound. So is it possible to have false assurance of salvation? Yes, if you've been deceived by a false gospel. Um, Another quick interpretation of that passage in Matthew 7 can be that um, a lot of people think that that those people who said, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name, cast out demons, you know, those kind of things. A lot of people think that those are actually false teachers. Because we see in Deuteronomy 13, Moses warns that false prophets can actually perform miracles. So it could be that the people who are saying to 
to Jesus, Lord, did we not perform these miracles and cast out demons in your name? That those are actually false teachers. Um, I'm less in favor of that view because I, it doesn't really fit the context of what Jesus is saying. I think he's warning against false. He's warning against false teachers and false assurance. Um, trying to point them to the true gospel, but that's just something interesting that I that I came across. So those are the, those are the two things, and and we could go into more detail. And um, again, I'd recommend just read read through First John. Now, First John is more so about he's warning against heresies than it is about a test of your faith. A lot of people read it as if here's the 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 signs of whether or not you're saved. It's not so much that, but just read through First John and see what he says. Like the the line that he draws between the us and them us, those who are truly saved, disciples of Christ, and them, in this case it was mostly the Gnostics who were preaching false gospels. And just look at the look at the aspects of what it looks like to be a disciple. Um, so read, read through 1 John. Read the Gospel of John. And what you'll find is that the Bible is very clear. Read Paul's epistles too. The Bible is very clear that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone that it's a gift and that when we're saved we will have a new heart a new desire to turn toward Christ so if you have made that profession of faith if you have decided to allow Jesus to save you and to accept that salvation and you've repented and you've turned toward him and you're living for him with your life you can rest knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life that you will spend an eternity in paradise with Jesus so rest assured that the scripture God wants us to have assurance of our salvation. He's not trying to deceive anybody. God's not a God of confusion, scripture says. God's not trying to deceive you. He's not trying to trick you. He wants you to be sure, but he wants you to be dedicated. So again, like I said a minute ago, it's okay to have doubts. Sometimes doubts can prove that we are concerned about our salvation, which is further proof that God has already done a work in our in our lives. It's okay to have doubts. It's not okay to live in fear. It's not okay to allow those doubts to manifest into anxiety because anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's in Philippians. So, if, if this is you, if you're struggling... If you're wrestling with the question, how can I know that I'm saved? What if I'm not actually saved? Go to Scripture first and know that you can have assurance that Scripture is very clear. And in addition to that, I would recommend reading these books that I mentioned. Follow me, David Platt, Signs of the Spirit, Sam Storms. Um, Also, I found J.D. Greer's Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. I found that very helpful, very short, short read very easy to understand, very biblical. So um, definitely check that one out. John MacArthur has a book on on assurance. Um, I differ on him with with some viewpoints, but there's plenty of resources out there to help you find peace in this. So so don't don't let it drive you to anxiety. That's the whole point of this podcast. Don't let those questions and those doubts lead to anxiety. Rest assured. Rest assured that God has given you a new purpose. He's given you new life. And man, one day we'll be, we'll be with Him. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day. It's coming soon. 
It is definitely coming soon. I hope you benefited from this. I hope you found this helpful. Um, again, I know I said on the last podcast that it's been a really long time. I think it's it's been an even longer time since that one. Um, but like I say, there's a lot of stuff that I'm that I'm working on right now. There's a lot of projects I'm involved with. Um, on top of being at at my day job, so I apologize that these episodes have not been coming to fruition as frequently as I had liked. But stay tuned because they're going to keep coming. I promise you that, regardless of how long it takes. My name is Adam Butler. You've been listening to Bubblegum Gospel Podcast. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.